everybody, and welcome to the 10th episode of the Wan Wednesdays podcast. This week we're going to talk about mergers, acquisitions and disposals, and how they make a network manager's job even more difficult than it already is. Now, I personally don't have a great deal of experience of this, other than from the user's point of view, where it's happened a couple of times in my life. So, as this week's guest does have a great deal of experience on many sides of the coin. So, Lucas Go, IT Director um, at Volex, welcome to Wang Wednesdays. Hi, thank you. Do you want to start by um, giving a quick overview of, of what you do at Volex and what your company is focused on? Oh, thanks a lot. Uh, so, for introduction, I myself is the IT Director in charge of infrastructure and operations in Volex uh, Global Group. So, as the title states, particularly I take care of, of all aspects of IT infrastructure. Uh, that, of course, includes the network and, of course, making sure they work in terms of operations. Uh, Volex is a company that does cable manufacturing, to put it simply, which means we make everything as simple as a power cable down to uh, complex assemblies like those in the medical instruments, like the MRI machines as well. So, so we have a pretty wide range of businesses and products throughout globally as well. Now, last week we had um, we had Michael Martin, who's with the consultancy firm McKinsey, on the podcast, and he said that his um, his entire company has pretty much migrated to working from home. I assume that's not really an option for a company like yours in the manufacturing sector. So um, what's been the impact of COVID so far on your operations and have there been any specific challenges there? Uh, definitely there will be some challenges. I think the key one is to make sure that everybody is able to work from home. And I think the key challenge for all of the network managers is how do we do it securely and be able to deliver correct performance for it. So uh, glad to say I think we managed to overcome most of the challenges with enough uh, pre-investments. I think in Volex, because we are a pretty diverse workforce, uh, even in the office, so we are quite familiar or quite used to the idea of working from home for most of the people in the company. Of course, in the production side, there is something that's still under control, but I think uh, our HR and our safety managers have taken a lot of good precautions to make sure that we keep, I mean, there's no, luckily there's no outbreak or there's no spread of, of that, of, of COVID in the, in the factories at all. So. So I think so far the company has been managing pretty well for the whole entire crisis at the moment. Well, that's good to hear that you've, you're managing it well, both from safety and from uh, the network side. So on to the topic in hand. Managing one network is a difficult enough job on its own, and that's not even counting the fact when you have to bolt on a load of new users or unpick a decade's worth of network policies from a, from another company. So um What's your personal history in terms of your experience with M&A activity from both sides, if, if you have experience of that? Yep. So let me, I think my, in my previous career itself, I was, a, I was in a, I won't call it a small European company. So we were a small MNC across a few countries. Uh, then we were acquired by Caterpillar. So I was on that side of the point acquired by a company. Uh, so that gave me a very good experience on what, happens when we are acquired by a much larger company and the policies and the changes. And now, of course, in Volex, in my current position, and we have done some acquisitions over the past 20 months, 24 months. So there's a different approach as well because not not at the same scale sometimes and the different approach to different companies as well. Okay, so that's two perspectives you have of this topic, which is really interesting to hear. So on the first side, from the point of view of the acquiry that's probably not a word but um the the company that is acquired by by a larger company um what are the 
what's what's involved for for a network manager within the smaller company being acquired and what are the what are the challenges they might face in their position when it comes to being integrated into uh maybe a larger more complex it and network setup i think the first initial challenge other than your own personal feelings about it itself i think the key challenge is to understand what is the strategy of the whole acquisition itself? I think that's something not really well communicated to a lot of areas, especially to the guy that's managing the network or the when itself. Is which we can talk, we can talk about this a bit more later in details itself. But if there is no clear decision on how this company is going to be integrated, I think that is puts a bit of a question mark there. But regardless whether that has a clear decision on whether it's going to be totally integrated, partially integrated, or going to be a standalone. As the company that's going to be acquired, I think what needs to be prepared is definitely you need to be make sure that all your contracts are clear. And I think even one thing that people misunderstand during the period of time where they do the due diligence, that's where you probably need to do a bit of a cleanup, I would say. So certain contracts, especially with ISPs, is a, this is a must to continue because you still need your landlines, you still need your when. But it's just where you need to start to negotiate for a shorter term agreement. I, I would advise, even though it may cost maybe a certain percentage more. So I think a lot of people are a bit tempted, oh, why don't I go for a three-year agreement and save me 25% of the cost? But so that, normally want... comes back, that, normally, that normally comes back to bite you, isn't it? So if you, yeah. you know that that is going to happen. So. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good to maintain that level of flexibility then. Um, so again, from your point of view of being acquired, um, when you've been involved in these, have you felt from your point of view that the acquisition was planned in that way? Did you feel like there was a, a definite roadmap which you were operating on or has it sometimes felt that there's been times where it's not been possible to uh, to know what's going on? Oh, from my personal experience that I had with a much larger company acquiring us, I think that was very well planned, at least on the infrastructure and the network side. They came, they had exactly uh, what they wanted in, 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 in the timeline and the roadmap itself. It was communicated to us. And then, of course, we come down to the details on who is going to be doing what and stuff, and then who's going to communicate to, to, to the business on, on the changes. So, so I think that was a very well planned and execution. Uh, I think a lot of companies can take some good learning lessons. Uh, I mean, I, I learned a lot from the experience that I realized, okay, when you do bother to put in the amount of work and explain to them this is option A, this is stage A, stage B, stage C, stuff, or for option A and option B, they paint a much clearer picture and you get much better buying even from the users as well. So. Okay. Um, now, what about the other side? So you mentioned that Volex have been pretty acquisitive recently. Um, mm -hmm. So what's the, what's, how do you go about integrating a new acquisition or a merger? Um, do you, is there a checklist you work from? Is there a, or is there a certain kind of philosophy that you, that you adhere to when it comes to integrating the, um, the new company, both, it would be interesting to hear both from a technical point of view and from a kind of cultural and organization point of view, if you're able to shed any light on that. Oh, that's a very great question. Itself. Do I have two hours to answer that question? <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's good. So I'll say, let's say first, regardless of the, or we've talked on the topic of having a strategy. So I think I do have a checklist that goes down is, uh, where we do acquisitions. No, it's not only that's the network, but then the network's the key part itself with the contracts and of course, the usual assets and servers and systems. So, 
So that is definitely done during, hopefully during the due diligence phase. Sometimes mm-hmm. that doesn't happen depending on how the company has gone about the acquisition because I think when we acquire certain small companies or when, like Volex, we don't have a dedicated MAA, uh, MAA team itself. So we make use of third parties companies to handle a lot of the uh, pre-work especially. So I think sometimes those checklists or those information could be overlooked or may not be in detail as what the IT would like uh, the the info to be. So. Okay. Uh, well, so, that's, that's, so that's on the checklist, I would say, uh, when we first have the conversation with them. Uh, okay. But on my, on my own personal thoughts and thinking, so I would definitely, as this is true painful lessons, which I'm still learning at the moment as well. So if... And, and I did a lot of research actually, and I realized luckily there is a proper like a framework or a metrics that is available for companies to consider when they want to when they do an acquisition or a merger, so they they can easily state which what kind of strategy are we going to take with this company. So I think if that is so called defined at least even for the first three years, so all activities whether is it IT whether is it HR whether is it finance. At least there's a clear understanding. This is the agreement that we're going to use. This is the strategy that we want for this company. So we know that this is the direction and these are the possible options uh, for us to, to, to use this. Okay. Uh, so do the work in advance, basically, is the, is the takeaway from that. Yep. Uh, I would say do what's in mind, but I think it's good to have to be very clear and flexible about it. So, so example, if you want to integrate this company at this certain amount of level and integration is what are the options uh, available in terms of the IT wise, in terms of the network wise. So I think that will make the business stakeholder uh, easier to understand what's the investment required or what are the options available as well. So my, my personal take on the culture part, especially integration part, I think is to always go in with the approach that you need to bring value, uh, especially to the newly, to the new, to the newly acquired companies. I think that's one thing that I learned even from my previous experiences. So, uh, if you go in the approach that uh, we have acquired you, uh, you have to follow the playbook uh, straight away. So you may not get a very dedicated buy-in. And I think a lot of times if you look at the the amount of uh, case studies around the world, so that actually backfires on both the acquired companies and, and the big companies as well. Yeah, it certainly does. I can not imagine it going down very well at all if a... Uh you're acquired and then get told what to do and how to do it. Um, so speaking more on the technical side now, um, mm-hmm, yeah. one kind of pitfall which I can imagine might be the case is differing security protocols. Um, what's been your experience with this and how do you go about aligning different attitudes or different um, different network setups and different, uh, and different ways of planning really when it comes to security? Uh, that's always an ongoing uh, struggle, I'll say. Like, like you say, mentioned, everybody has a different understanding of how secure they want to be, or what, or whether it's secure enough. So, I, so I think one approach that I use mainly with the newly acquired companies and the IT personnel is to have a very clear discussion. And then of course, listen to both sides of the coin. I think one thing to, to think about is you cannot just think that is the, the, the there's only one way of doing things and stuff. To be very flexible and understand why have things been doing that way and then come to a common agreement itself. Of course, there are hard times, there are times that you need to play on the hard ball. If the risk is too high and it's unable to come to a common decision, that's where you have to put on a hole and say, okay, we may have to keep it separate at the moment. We may allow certain traffic to go across the networks. 
but there's something that you have, there's IT, as, especially as event managers, you have to be very clear about it and bring that information back to the business. And then yeah. tell them that this, this, is such, this is such a risk if we enable this uh, to happen. Okay, so it's keep, keeping the lines of communications open, really. Um, now, thinking about SD-WAN, um, mm-hmm. and I know that there have been moves towards standardization and interoperability recently, but it's still not, we're still not quite there in the yep. industry. So if to if you've got a if a company you're acquiring is running with a different SD WAN supplier is committed to a different system, what's your plan in terms of unifying two networks which might not work together? I think that's back to the user pros and cons of as comparing the networks. I think normally it will reach down to the the, the, the natural phase of who has the more bigger stake in the entire change itself. Uh, and if if the other side of the company needs to be part of the entire network, then I think it's just a matter of time before we adopt a certain SD WAN itself. Of course, like you say, it'll be really good when they are more transparent to each other and can work with each other itself. That that would be the best case situation. But as, as you as you yourself know even better than me, stuff I don't think that works across all the different vendors right now at the moment. So not quite, but hopefully we're going to get there soon. Um, what about the budgets? So this is kind of more, this is again kind of back to the cultural side, which you've suggested already is such an important part of making sure a merger and acquisition goes well. Um, How do you manage either the feeling of disappointment or I can't believe how much money we've got feeling when you're acquiring uh, a tech team, a network team, which might be used to operating with a different um, financial muscle? That is a very. I mean, like I said the 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 feeling the feeling can go both ways itself. I let let the question pose itself. So when it comes to budget, I think it's uh, both sides have to understand, especially the one that's probably have the bigger budget itself. Uh, coming to the business and then telling them oh, you have to spend this certain amount of money on 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 SD WAN or to or to connect back to the global network itself. So I think it, it it's. Is a very clear, like you say, keeping the lines of communication clear, but it's also good for the MAA team or even IT event manager to be more pragmatic, to understand this this really suitable for the business and it is you better have a good uh, case study, another case study, sorry, a business uh, value plan for it. So not just because headquarters demands that this is the this is the protocol means we have to put discount investment and stuff. I think that's where a lot of the newly acquired companies will start to feel like do I really need to put this amount of money into my P and L every month nowadays? So. Mm. Okay. Um, I've actually just realized we've totally ignored the second part of what we were going to talk about, which was disposals. Um is this a bit easier? Can you is it, are you able to cut and run when you when you're getting rid of a business division or what what are the what are the fallbacks there that might catch out a network manager who's in charge of getting rid of a business unit? I think the disposal is pretty straightforward uh unless you yeah, have certain guidelines especially for CSR for the for the for the for the companies. I mean definitely all companies need to have a proper disposal and a vendor is whether are they tied down to only align to a certain provider or a certain disposal provider throughout all globally stuff? If there's no such contractual agreements or, or obligations, then I think it's pretty flexible on how you get it to be disposed. So. We covered quite a few areas where things might be difficult or might be surprising. Um, in your experience, what is the main area when it comes to M&A which tends to cause the problems? Above all. Mm, 
yeah, other than culture. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I mean, let's keep this a bit more. Let's keep it more to the technical discussion. Not this will be a business. Yeah. This will be a business leadership uh, forum it'll, already. So. It will die otherwise. <laughs> Correct. So, no, on the technical side, I think one thing that a lot of the I see a lot of uh, I would call it a pitfall. I think that happens very frequently. I see is that people have a misunderstanding on what is required on the infrastructure when it comes to MA. So, uh, there's a lot of cases where I say, okay, when the, the business leaders has come and say, okay, it's fine. We do not need them to be fully integrated. They can stand alone for the first 12 months, six months, nine months, their plans. But then they want to have centralized reporting of the numbers and they want to have common, even even simple like a common accounts, uh, uh, total accounts in the books itself. So I think that's where the IT or whoever is involved with due diligence definitely has to be mapped up in terms of the system-wise, what needs to be talking to each other. So, and that affects the network integration a lot. So, so I think if, if, if the WAN part, if the WAN manager or the IT comes in a bit too late in the discussion, there could be a lot of firefighting happening uh, straight away. So, so that's one experience that I noticed and hopefully a lot of people can avoid from learning that lesson. Okay, so as a network manager, get in that room, however you're going to do it, kick in the door, whatever, to make sure... Yeah, whether it's a network manager or the IT manager, they better get the network uh, people involved as, as earlier because by the time you realize that, oh, this system needs to talk to this system, that could be a bit... Then, I mean, there will be a bit of a rush to try to get the networks to be, to be aligned for that. So. Yeah, that, and that's not good for anyone. Um, so the final question of our podcast today is the weird one Wednesday question, which is traditionally nothing to do with networking, M&A or anything like that. So this week, um, the question we've been supplied with is, um, in a fight situation, which vegetable would you arm yourself with to inflict maximum damage on your enemy? You caught me caught out on that question totally, sir. Uh, Vegetable. Broccoli. Broccoli? Yeah. Okay. That's... That's that's interesting. Yeah, that could that could do that could do a bit of damage. I was actually thinking of a boiled broccoli, but now I've recalibrated my thinking to think of a raw broccoli. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's um... yeah, I think of raw broccoli. I mean, the main reason why that came to my as a weapon, it really caught me cold on, on the question. But <laughs> yeah, uh, the, 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 the the whole reason on it is quite, quite straightforward. So, I mean, first, when it's not cooked, when it's raw, it's pretty hard. It's, it's easy to grab hold of. Yeah. And I and I second, I think no one appreciates the taste of raw broccoli, isn't it? So. No, I don't think a, a cooked broccoli <laughs> yeah, could do anyone one, any one, one rub or that on your on anybody's face, I don't think anyone is really appreciative <laughs> of it. Is. No, absolutely not. Um, so on that note, Lucas, thank you very much for coming on Wan Wednesdays, giving up um, 20 minutes of your time to chat to us about M&A. It's been really interesting to hear the different perspectives that you've seen over your career in terms of how network managers can make their lives and their company's lives a bit easier when they get involved in those discussions as early as possible, basically. Yep, so definitely. thanks again for your time, and um, thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everyone. Take care.